This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. Everybody doing good? Amen. It's, summer is almost over. Are you guys sad about that? Kids are going back to school? Yeah. That's kind of a good thing, huh? Ready for it? It's amazing at like each season, you're kind of, you're, you start kind of getting the itch like, like, oh, I can't, my, Heidi was just telling me, you know, I can't wait for fall. And then like in the spring, she's like, I can't wait for summer. And I, I hear her do this about every three months. I can't wait for winter. And the winter comes, you're like, I can't wait for spring. But it's amazing. I just, life just keeps pulling you from one season to another. So um, God has been good. This summer we've been in our fundamental sermon series. And, and our theme has been, don't glide through summer, grow through summer. Let's grow through summer. So we've been tackling some of the big subjects um, in, in uh, the Bible. And uh, we've been having a lot of fun. So that's all for free online, you can go and watch it and listen to it and podcast. It's all free. The only thing that's not free is if you go out and you get the, the CD, we basically just give you the, I think it's a dollar, and it basically covers the cost of printing and the stamp and the, or, yeah, the stamp that goes on top and the CD and all that stuff. But we just want to get that and resource you, and you just have that available. Listen to it and go over. If you have questions, feel free to shoot us an email. We love, we love this stage of, of the church and people growing and new Christians and people having questions. It's just so wonderful, and there's nothing wrong with having a question. There's no bad question. There's no wrong question. So those questions open us up to, to new experiences, and, and we're excited about that. So today we're going to be talking about decisions. Everybody say decisions. Yeah. And, and the, the deal is this, is that um, every one of us here you, you're here because you made a decision to be here, right? Like we make decisions all the time, right? We wake up and some of you, you were going, I don't know which shoes to wear. Some of the ladies, you know, the pink ones or the, the turquoise ones. And, the, and, and you guys, you're like, you're wearing the same outfit you wore all week. And you were like, which cologne should I cover the stink up with, you know? <laughs> but you made, you made a decision. We make decisions, Right. And that we make them all the time. And, and here's the big idea I want to share with you today. And is this. Your decisions determine your destiny. Your decisions determine your destiny. Here's another way of saying it. This is another way of saying it. Decisions, okay, not desire. Not desire, but decisions determine your destiny. When we think of destiny, we think of, well, there, there's a, the fate of where I'm supposed to be. Well, really that word destiny just is destination. And many of us don't know what destination we're shooting for. And therefore, we don't know what decisions we need to make to get to that destination. And so at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who are just living life in default, making poor decisions, half-hearted, uneducated decisions, just kind of rolling through life, coasting through life with no great purpose. And without purpose, there's no fulfillment. So we want to talk about decisions because I think the, one of the most important things in your life is how you make decisions because you are the culmination of decisions. Your, your decisions and your choices are going to determine what kind of life you have. 
What kind of life you have? We're, we don't just make choices. We're made by our choices. We don't just make decisions. We're made by our decisions. So, so let's really look at this. How do we make decisions? Why do we make the decisions that we make? And we're going we're gonna to be looking at some, a story in the Bible that many of us and most of us know. But the one thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to, to really look at your life and go, you know, today I am here by the culmination of decisions. You are who you are today because of the decisions that you made. And you will be who you will be tomorrow because of the decisions you make today. Okay? So what we do today, we sow seed into our future. The only way to sow into your future are the decisions that you sow today. So, so why, let, why let happenstance, why let, why let some default mode determine your destiny? Why don't you determine your destiny? Why don't you get a God-sized goal and say, you know what, I'm going to go big. I'm going to trust God for some big things in my life and start making the right decisions to get there. Does that sound good? So let's talk about decisions today. Everybody say decisions. Say it one more time, decisions. All right, I like that. Good job. Now watch this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now what this tells us is, is we are in a spiritual battle. Would anybody agree with that? We don't just wrestle flesh and blood. It's not just some internal problem. We, there, there are forces all around us, internal, external, that we have to deal with. And, and they, are, they are because of disobedience or because of a decision. And the only way to combat those decisions that were wrong is to start making the right decisions. Maybe there's a decision that someone made before you were even born. Maybe someone in your lineage made a decision that is still affecting you today. Maybe you made a decision that you're still living with the guilt and the grief of that decision. Do you know how you conquer a bad decision? With the right decision. Uh-oh, you're like, so I'm going to have to make a decision. Well, at some point, let me, let me tell you this. You know what it's like to make a bad decision, right? And then you know it's easy to make another bad decision. It's almost like this momentum, this vacuum that starts pulling you. You make a bad decision, and you make another bad decision. Before you know it's like you're in a rhythm of bad decisions. But then turn that upside down. You make a good decision in the face of adversity. And it's like you get wind in your sails, and you're like, whoa. And you, and you get this impetus to make another good decision. Before you know it, there's this great momentum in your life because you start making the right decisions. So how do we overcome the bad decisions? How do we overcome people's decisions? Maybe a decision in your family lineage. Maybe some things that people did that still affect you. You can overcome those today by a decision. Decisions are powerful. And I'm going to show you how powerful they are in just a moment. The tale of two trees. Now, my sweet wife helped me out with getting the spelling of this right. I'm a terrible speller. Uh, T-A-I-L is what I was going to attempt to bring you today, and that would have been mighty weird, the tale of two trees. But anyways, uh, the tale of two trees. Now, you probably know possibly where I'm going with this. And one of the biggest decisions, biggest mistakes ever made in the Bible, and that has to do with Brother Adam and Sister Eve. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, the first man, first woman, and we're going to look at their decision and how they got there and how it affected and how it affects you and I and what the remedy is that God gives us for that 
bad decision. Watch this, Genesis chapter 2, 7 through 9. What I love about the scripture, the Bible is this, is it, is it teaches us the origin of man, the origin of the cosmos. It teaches us the origin of sin, the origin of salvation. It gives us, it gives us like where it all happened, how it started. And that's what Genesis means, it's origins. How, where, how did this begin? How did this start? So watch this. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So God forms man and then face to face breathes. So the first thing that man beholds as a living being is the face of God. That's why nothing else will do. That's why nothing else in your life will do. Everything has to measure up to that because imprinted in our soul and spirit is that wonder, face to face with God. That's why the Bible says when he comes back, we shall behold him face to face. We shall see his face. We shall see him as he is and we shall be changed and be like him. That's what's in you. That's what's in you. And it says this, Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east and Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we have two trees. Everybody say there's two trees. Now watch what God does here. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of all the trees, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read this, I read this, I kind of get upset. I'm like, well, why put the tree there, God? Have you ever thought about that? Like, let's just, let's just pass all the trouble and let's just... Let's do excavation. Let's get that tree and let's do a bonfire. Why even have that thing there? Why even give Adam a plan B? Why give him a choice? Why give him that option to do what is against your command or your expectation? Well, let me give you this. Number one, we cannot dwell and we cannot inhabit a place called love without choice because love is not a feeling, love is a decision. Love is a decision. Now, some of you go, well, uh, I, don't, I don't feel in love anymore. Well, I don't feel chubby right now, but I am. I feel like Hercules right now, okay? Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. We don't feel our way into the right actions. We act our way into the right feelings. So here's what happens. People, people go, well, I don't feel in love. I don't feel. Love is a choice. You choose. Because love is patient, love is kind, doesn't vaunt itself, it's not easily puffed up. Love has nothing to do with how I'm feeling. I'm going to tell you, there's times where my emotions are up and down, times my wife's emotions are up and down, and sometimes we're on the same wavelengths. When she's up, I'm down, and verse, vice versa. Sometimes we don't even connect, but we, we choose to love each other. And that's what this is about. God said, you know what, I'm not forcing you to do this. I'm giving you another option. I'm giving you another option. Because I don't want to dwell and you're just a robot and you have no choice. Life is about choice. I'm going to give you free will. And so you and I, we have free will. Everybody say free will. Free will. We have free will. And so this, this idea of these two trees is about decisions. And you're going to always face these kinds of decisions. And these decisions are going to affect you one way or another. And they're not just going to affect you. They're going to affect the people around you. So we got to be careful and we got to understand and discern decisions. And then the Bible says this after that. Watch. This is the next verse. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God makes man. He plants a garden. He places the man in the garden. He says, don't eat 
Then he makes the woman. I think God made the woman last because if he would have made her here, the woman would have told God how to plant the garden and get everything put together. That's just me. I could be wrong. So God makes the woman after he makes a man, plants the garden, places the man in the garden, says don't eat, and then he looks down and goes, you know what? You're not complete. You will be complete when you have this other half. Okay, now watch this. What's interesting to me is this. Eve was not created till after God gave the commandment. She wasn't even there. She didn't even exist. God gave the commandment not to eat. She didn't even exist at that point. And yet she was responsible for her decision based on the knowledge that was passed down. It was Adam's job to get this information to the woman. Some people use this as an excuse. They go, well, I wasn't there when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter. God only has to say it once, and it's forever settled. It was Moses' job to write it down and share it with the generations. Because once God says it once, we're responsible, right? And so the, the idea that, well, if I just don't know what God wants, if I, just, if I just keep my mind absent and don't think about it, then we'll be okay. No, that's not what God's will is for your life. God wants you to make decisions based on information and knowledge. He wants you to know His Word. If we know God's Word, we can make better decisions. If we know God's plan, we can make better decisions. I believe that sometimes we make bad decisions because we don't have our bearings and we're not grounded in principle. We're making decisions based in preference, not principle. Preference, not principle. Preference is, well, this feels good. Well, I really, I mean, I, I, this is what I've always wanted. And we make decisions not in principle. Principles don't change, principles are timeless. They transcend generations. They work in every... Principles are those moral foundations that you can build your life upon. If you don't have that rock, then what, you'll make decisions based on feeling, emotion. Well, I wasn't in my right mind. You've got to get some things that are non-negotiable in your life, that every decision has to go up against those principles that you're not willing to sell out to. Find those principles, get into the Word of God, and know what guidelines that my decisions have to make. Does that sound good, everybody? All right. You guys awake? All right, here we go. We're going to have a lot of fun. You guys ready? Decisions. Tree of life, the tree, and I didn't have the room to do it, so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we've got the tree of life, tree, good and evil. Now, one of the big mistakes that happens in people's philosophy of life and reasoning and decision is many people think that everything that's good is God. What's good? Right? It's a, it's a good decision. And what they do is, is they end up making bad decisions, not understanding this principle. The life came from one tree, but the good and evil came from the same tree, one tree. Because good and evil are based off of each other. It's the knowledge of good and evil. They're relative. So here's what, this is my explanation. Someone says, well, I'm a good person. Well, why? Because I'm not evil. Or they say, I, you know, this, is, this feels like a good decision. Well, why? Because there's many other bad decisions. It's the worser of two evils. That's not a good enough reason. I don't want to reason my way through good and evil to get decisions. I want to know God's plan. I want to know God's reasoning. I don't want to just, well, it's, yeah, there's, it's good. Well, maybe, you know, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man or good to a man. It seems good. 
but it leads to death. It leads to destruction. Because we think that everything that's good equals God. Well, it's good. Well, based on what? It's not evil? Well, it's not as bad. Yeah, I, I'm going to marry this guy. Well, why? Because he's not as evil as that guy. And you know what I mean? He's good. Based on what? That was a, an example, all right? <laughs> tree of life, tree of good and evil. So we don't want to just do the good way. We want to do it God's way. We want to, we want to make decisions that are, that are godly, that are based in principle and wisdom. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of God, knowledge of good and evil. So we don't just have the good and evil, we have the God. We have the higher law. You know, you get in trouble with the law, you can always appeal to a higher court. So we appeal to the higher court. I can't make this decision on my own. I want to make a decision that is godly. So here's what happens. Genesis 3 and 1, watch this. Now the servant was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's a big, that's an important question. Think about that. That's a hard one to answer because she wasn't there. Very good question, Satan. Good job at asking. The serpent comes, slithers in. Did God really say it? Well, I, I mean, Adam said it to me, but gets her to question. First question mark in the Bible right here. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit that's in the, uh, of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. All she has is information here. This is called religion. Religion is just information. I have information. God said this. God said do that. Don't do that. That's information. That's religious. That's not relationship. And, 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 and information is not enough to save you and to keep you. Okay, and I'll get to some important things in just a moment regarding that. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from, your, eat, eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So look at the temptation, guys. Watch this. When you eat of it, you're going to be like God. And when you're like God, you'll know good and evil. And when you know good and evil, you won't need God to help you with decisions. You can make your own decisions for yourself. That's the ultimate temptation. I'll decide. I'll be my own God. I'll make my own choices. I'll discern what's right and wrong and good and bad. I'll make up my own path. And this is the trick the enemy's been doing for years and years and years. And this is where it leads us to. Destruction, pain, sorrow, frustration. Because we've been leaning to our own intuitions and our own desires in decision making. This is, what he's, this is the temptation that Satan gave. This is the temptation. You'll be like God. You can do it yourself. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, also desirable to, for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave same, some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. She eats it. She's like, this is delicious. She makes an apple pie. He comes home from work, sits down as a little lazy boy, takes his shoes off. She's like, Apple pie? Okay, not really. That's not what happened. Adam is right there. Doesn't say a word. One bad decision after another bad decision after another bad decision until they finally disobey God's commandment. One simple commandment. This is, this is going to be mine. The, all of the rest of it's yours. And they partake. 
I'm going to give you seven keys to making godly decisions. And I, I hope you have your bulletin. If you don't, maybe there's one that someone left from the previous service. But I'd love for you to write these notes. These are very important because your decisions are going to determine your destiny. And I want you to make sure that your decisions are rooted in these principles in the Scripture. Watch this. Number one, go to God first. Go to God first. Say it with me one time. Go to God first. Look at this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. If you'll go to God and be like, God, I need help. God's not like, <laughs> you dumb human. You do it yourself. God's like, this is great. I want, you, you trust me, I'm going to lead you. I'll give you direction. I'll help you make the right decisions and find the right path. I love this scripture right here, Psalms 32. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule. Does anybody here know anybody who's like a mule making decisions? Don't look. Don't point. Hard-headed, knucklehead, mule. Know-it-all. I don't need no help. I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? You know people. I know people like that. And I'll be honest with you, I can be like that. God's like, don't be a mule. Don't be stubborn. Don't be a know-it-all. Watch this. Start with God. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Humble yourself. Dudes, guys, come on. We're, like the, we're, we're the ones who don't ask for directions. Come on, ladies, help me out here. It's okay to ask for directions. God, I don't got this. The, wa the wife comes in. Oh, I got this. It's all, I, it's all taken care of. What's your plan, honey? What, what, what are we going to do? I'll tell you tomorrow. Whip up some dumb idea. Man, humble yourself. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Don't be a fool. Go to God first. Number two, slow down. Everybody say slow down. Slow down. Fast decisions are bad decisions. Whoo. My, my, my. I got to be careful right here because I got there's a lot. I, I know a lot of stories of people who made fast, unwise decisions. They were moving so fast because they they were afraid to ask the questions. They knew what the answer was, so they they moved it quick. I, now I don't know if anyone's a, a car salesman here, and if you are, I, please forgive me. I'm not trying to belittle what you do, and, and you work hard, and please forgive me. But let me say this: nobody likes to go. And buy a car, especially from a used car salesman, that makes you feel like if you don't buy that car today, then tomorrow when you come back, every car in the world will be gone. You'll be riding a tricycle to work for the rest of your life. That's how you feel, don't you? Here's why. Because they know that the bad decisions are the quick decisions. You really can't afford it, but you don't have time to calculate it. 
So they're going to speed the process up and make it feel like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to miss this opportunity. And so we speed things up, you know. I, I, I sometimes get a kick out of people who are like, oh, I love him. I, I'm going to marry that boy. Oh my, how'd you guys meet? Three weeks ago, eHarmony.com. I met him last week. I'm meeting his parents tomorrow. We're getting married the next day. I'm like, what? Slow it down. Slow it down. Say it with me. Slow it down. There you go. Slow it down. Slow it down. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. You ever been there before? Be honest. God, how did you let this happen? You went too fast. You were pushing your will. Because you knew that if you slowed it down, you would know and find out the truth. And you didn't want to know the truth. So you pushed the accelerator so you thought you could bypass it. And all that truth came manifesting at the end. And now you're stuck with Biff. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Number three, get all the facts. Get all the facts. There's nothing worse than being, you know, ill-informed or uninformed. Has anybody ever been there before? Like you didn't know? Like I've done that before and it's, it's embarrassing sometimes. I'll never forget my wife, you know, she's so cultured. I'm just a, a boy from Texas, you know. I, I, I just, I, I may look good, but I, I sometimes fake it till I make it. I just show up, I'm like, well, yes. And my wife, you know, she's so dignified. We went to France to, to preach. This is like 12, 13 years ago. So I go with her to France, and I'm, I've, I've been asked to speak, and, and I'm over there, I'm, I'm pretending I'm like so debonair. You know, you're in France, you gotta be romantic, right? I'm like, is it la place de bread? You know, and I'm like trying to act cool and suave and all that stuff. Anyways, we get to a restaurant, and I'm like, I'm like, uh, sir, can I get some mustard? And, the, and the, 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 the Parisian's like, what's his mustard? And I'm like, mustard. You guys have mustard. There's yellow mustard, right? I see you guys are famous for me. Oh, you mean mutad. And I said, what did you call me? He said, mutad. It is mutad, not mustard. And he's like, call it mutard. I said, I'll take mutard. Sorry. So it's bad being uninformed, Okay. Making bad decisions uninformed. I know people who literally, see, I don't know if you know this, but online there are, new, there are now news stations that actually create false news and send it through Facebook and the Internet. Did you know this? That's all they do. And I've seen people actually repost and post stuff and go off on a tangent. And then later on, like, people are like, hey, dude, you know that's not right. You know that's not even real, right? This is fake. And they're like, yeah, but it could have been real. And you're just like, ah, get all the facts. Don't be th thinkless. Process it. Look it up. Ponder it. Okay? Get all the facts before you make a decision. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. To answer before listening, that is folly and that is shame. Number four, seek counsel. Everybody say, seek counsel. 
Now, here's why this is important. Because every one of us in this room, everyone, turn to your neighbor and say everyone. everyone. There's four aspects of your life. There's the arena. The arena. This is what everybody knows about you. You know it, and I know it, and we all know it. This is what we all see about you. Okay? This is very obvious about you. Everyone sees the arena. But then you have what we call the mask. And it's the part of you that we don't know about you, but you know about you. We don't know it, but you know it. It's your mask. And you got to be careful because your secret is your sickness. Okay? And then the third area of your life is your blind spot. We know it about you, but you don't know it about you, and we're all too afraid to tell you. Okay? And then the fourth area is your potential. And this is that hidden potential that God's put in you, and God can reveal it to you, and He can reveal it to us to see it in you, but it is exponential, and only God in His great divine understanding can see ultimately the potential of what your life can be. Here's the deal. If you don't have counsel, then you'll operate and you'll make decisions out of the arena part of your life. The part that everyone sees, that everybody knows. There'll be no depth. And if the counsel that you have agrees with you on everything, then you have bad counsel. If you only read the books that you write, you're going to be narrow-minded. That's great. That's right there. Come on, Pastor. Preach that a while. I was hoping to get a little amen on that. There you go. Thank you. Proverbs 11. Where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. you got to get people around you that you can talk with, ask questions. Why do we want to reinvent the wheel? If I walked in today to church and went, guys, I got something. You're going to be so proud of me. It took me years to figure this out. I discovered something called round circle. I'm going to call it wheel. And I pulled out a little wheel. You'd be like, hey, that's been around a while. In fact, they're using it for cars and bikes and even gears and watches and all kinds of cool stuff. You'd be like, oh, well, all right. And there's some people who literally are like learning elementary lessons that with right counsel, you could, you could build off of what's already been learned. That's what, that's what wisdom is. I don't have to relearn it. Let's share what you've learned, and I can, from there, that can be my launch pad to a deeper understanding of how to excel in life and be, be victorious. Watch this. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. You need people in your life speaking in your life, and that's why small groups are so important. You need a group. You need people who you're accountable to. And let me just tell you this. No one in this room is inoculated to the fact that we all need counsel in our lives in different seasons for different reasons. Every one of us need a circle. We have rows, but we need also circles in our lives. People who can speak to us. Times where we can confess and talk it out and go through trouble. And just, you need, a ha- you need to belong to a group. Period. So this next small group semester is coming up in a month and a half, and I want to encourage you, either lead a group or join a group, but get in a group, be a part of a group, because you need counsel in your life. 
And these groups are not about psychoanalyzing you. They're fun. They're awesome. But it gives us the chance to care and have a great time and talk out some things. And you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Don't do life alone. Say that with me. Don't do life alone. One more time like you mean it. Don't do life alone. Very good. Very good. Number five, check your motives. Check your motives. When you're making a decision, you got to check your motives. Check your motives. Check your motives. Check your motives. Everybody has good motives, they think. Remember the Bible says that your heart is deceitful? You think you got good? Oh, I'm doing this for the right reason. I'm going to win the lottery so I can bless people. I don't want to be a millionaire for me. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, Pastor, pray for this ticket right here. We'll just build a new church. Check your motives. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. He will establish your plans. Check your motives. Number six, consider warning signs. You ever have that, let's call it gut feeling? You ever have that? You're like, I don't know why I I can't shake it. I mean... It makes sense here, kind of, but my gut's like, don't do it. You know, one of the things that, like, I love pastoring. I honestly love pastoring, so please don't think that this is me saying I don't like pastoring, okay? I love pastoring. The only frustrating part about pastoring, honestly, is that 99% of people, they don't reach out until the plane is at about 2,000 feet about to plummet and smack into the ground. They don't reach out when the warning signs are going off at the airport or they take off and they're at 35,000 feet in the air. They're taking a life and there's a warning sign, engine trouble. Instead of making the right adjustments and landing the plane safely, they wait until the thing is crashing down and then they call and say, fix my marriage, it's two days. And so I pull up my magic wand, and I hit him over the head with it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But the bottom line is, is like, like there's warning signs that God gives us. Warning, warning, something's wrong. You know, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, right? And, and, and God's like, go to Nineveh and preach repentance to these people. And Jonah's like, okay, God, it's that way. Okay. And he starts running in the opposite direction. He gets on a boat, and while he's on the boat, like the boat, the storm comes and it starts rocking the boat. And all these heathens that are on the boat, these are heathens, go, I think God's mad. Like they were able to discern the signs and be like, somebody's got God really upset because he, he's really mad right now. And so Jonah's like, he's so hard headed. He's like, yeah, it's me. Um, I'm not going back, so might as well just throw me off. I'm going to swim. So they throw him out of the boat, and then the big fish comes. Now he's in the belly of a big fish. Now that's the worst place you can be. And, and like all these signs, God's like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And what's really funny and amazing is, you know what changed it? You know what got him out of all that trouble? He finally made the right decision. Okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh. 
And the fish was like, and there regurgitates Jonah. And guess where Jonah ends up? He ends up on the beach closer to Nineveh than when he first left. Even his trouble was inching him toward the place that God was calling him. When he finally made the right decision, it placed him in sync with where he was supposed to be. Can I just tell somebody, you are just one decision from this thing turning around in your life. You're just one decision from this thing turning around in your life. Consider the warning signs. Whenever, whoever heeds this discipline shows the way of life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Leads others astray. And then number seven, learn from the past. Turn to your neighbor and say, learn, learn. from the past. You ever met people who just kind of keep making the same mistakes over and over and over? Does anybody like NASCAR around here? I don't either. Does that drive you nuts? I'm going, what are we watching? What's happening here? Okay. You know, I, I can stay awake better watching golf than I can NASCAR. And I feel like some people, it's just same thing over and over. Same thing over and over. They never learn. Watch this verse here. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I actually had a picture this morning of a dog, and I decided not to put it on so you can thank me. Yeah, you can thank me later. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. You, you, we have to grow up. There's people who are, who, are, who are growing older, but they're not growing up. They're growing older, but they're not growing up. Okay? And, and this is an issue. The bottom line is this, is life is the lesson. Learn it. If you fail, you'll have to go back again. Some people are emotionally in second grade. And, and, and in other ways, relationally, they're like in second, third, fourth grade. They're stuck. Same little thing. And they, they can't react different. Learn from your mistakes. Make better decisions. You know where this decision leads. Right back here so you can make the right one. Well, if I just avoid all people, I'll never have to deal. No, nope. people will find you. If I just avoid that, then you need to pass this test because God has so many great things for you. Adam's decision, it was easy and thoughtless. Guys, guys, listen to me. This is where we drift. We drift to, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Can I make a hard decision? Oh, what, no, whatever. Whatever's clever. He didn't ask any questions. He's sitting there while his wife is like at the tree, talking to a snake, and the dude didn't say anything. Like, when are you going to step up? Guys, don't drift. Don't take the easier out. You have not been called to follow. You've been called to lead. All the husbands say amen. All the husbands say, I'm going to do it. Well, that was terrible. Anyways, so let's, look at, let's look at Eve's decision. It was, em it was emotional. 
Adam's never taken me to this tree before. It's beautiful. She got emotionally connected. She got emotionally connected to what was forbidden. God said, all this is yours. She focused on the one thing she couldn't have. She became connected emotionally. She looked at it, then she was handling it, touching it, and then she partook. It was a selfish decision. It was a selfish decision. And she had no counsel. She never once turned to Adam and said, hey, what, what do you think? Now, Adam was the bozo who never spoke up, but nonetheless, she never sought counsel. This is Eve's bad decision. They, they make their bad decision. The eyes of them both of them were open. They realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So what do they do? The woman says, the devil. It was the devil. And Adam's like, God, the woman you gave me. It's both of your faults. Everybody's blaming everybody else. Everybody's blaming everybody else for their decisions. And again, you don't just make decisions, you're made by your decisions. And here's what people don't understand is it's not just what we're doing, it's what we're becoming because of our decisions. It's not just what we do. You're not the just product of what you do. It's what what you do makes you become, and that's the question. And they're changed. Their eyes are open. And something changes in them. They're not what they used to be. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, curse are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Can I just tell you, this is the good news. I'm about to bring you the good news of the gospel. Are you ready? For every bad decision, there's a remedy. For every bad decision, there's one remedy. You ready for it? Oh, there you go. You guys are One more time. For every bad decision, there's one remedy. Are you ready for it? Yeah. All right. Making sure you guys wait. Here we go. So God, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So what does that mean? This is what God says. Devil. Here's the woman. See the woman you betrayed? See the woman you tricked? See the woman you deceived? She's going to give birth. And, and her children, the daughters, they'll give birth. And they're going to give birth. And they're going to give birth. And one day, one woman, a woman from this woman, is going to give birth to a child. And one day, that child is going to crush your head. But his heel will be bruised. As he's crushing your kingdom... He will be bruised, signifying a suffering Savior, a suffering Messiah. He will be, everybody say bruised. Say it one more time, bruised. 
a bruised Messiah. This is the first time with this issue, with a bad decision, God goes, here's the answer to the bad decision, a suffering Savior. A suffering Savior. Look at this passage here. This is 690 years before Jesus is born. The prophet Isaiah says, Who hath believed a report? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form, no commonness, and we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. There's going to be a man who comes, and he's going to look just normal like everybody else. He's going to look just like, there's no, there, he's not, he doesn't have glowy skin. He doesn't have beautiful wings. He's just an ordinary guy who's coming. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. He's prophesying for our transgressions. He was bruised for our bad decisions, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as sheep before her shares is dumb. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. This is the Christ. He was, he was killed on Calvary next to thieves, but yet he was buried in a rich man's tomb. All prophesied hundreds of years before he was born. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. You know the answer for every bad decision in your life is Calvary. It's a cross. It's a Savior that suffered. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. And this is what the New Testament says. Yes, Adam's one sin. Yes, Adam's one bad decision brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed, one person made a mistake, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed, that's Christ, many will be made righteous. Now watch this. There's another tree now. But Christ has rescued us from the curse. Not a curse, the curse. Pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. There is a Christ at Calvary hung on a tree. So now we have another tree, another decision, another option. His plan C for Christ. Run to Christ. Run to that tree and choose life. Choose life. You'll never be able to do it on your own, but there's a strength in Christ that gives you the power to walk in great grace. Would you stand with me today? The greatest decision you can ever make in your life is to choose Christ, what He did for you. You're not defined by what has happened to you. You're defined by what has happened for you. And 2,000 years ago, Christ died for you. He was bruised. And when the devil was bruising Him, 
He was crushing. He, Jesus was crushing and destroying every work of Satan. What a great story, amen? What a story.